Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And joining me today is Mason from RealDudeReviews.com. How are you doing, Mason? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to be with you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you for joining me. I, I'm an 80s baby. I don't know if I said that. Um, I'm still trying to get used to even incorporating that into the intro. Uh, <laughs> but you, you, yourself, sir, is a, is a 90s baby. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 90s baby. I grew up with, you know, Jurassic Park and stuff like that with uh, PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64. So uh, we're, 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 we got that decade apart, but that's okay. We can we can dissect things sim- similarly and different enough to make it interesting. So, Yeah, indeed. Yeah, uh, so you're joining me to uh, talk about Short Circuit. Um, but before we uh, get into that, uh, I, you know, for listeners that aren't familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about your site and what you do? Uh, yeah, I uh, I do realdudereviews.com, which is a fun kind of movie, game, just whatever we feel like doing site, uh, talking about sometimes just reviewing the new movies. We have a new series out called Why Is It Classic, taking some old old films and uh, talking about why they're so mon- monumental to this day. And uh, we do Let's Plays and Video Games, too, because we're, we're all gamers here. We got a cool little team, and it's a, it's a good time. So uh, be sure to be sure to swing by. It's uh, R-E-E-L, Dude Reviews. So uh you know, <laughs> grab a beer, there have a good go. time. Yeah, yeah, sounds awesome. All right, so um, again, you're joining me for Short Circuit, and it came out in 1986. And one of the things I do like to do is to, to, to show the generational gap between us is to kind of take a visit back to uh, 1986 and, you know, see what the hot songs were at that time. Uh, and also some of the uh, bigger hits in the at the box office. So let's start off with the with the movies, and you just tell me um, if you even heard of these movies. All right. So the biggest movie that year, Top Gun. Oh yeah, who hasn't okay. heard of Top Gun? All right, and you've seen that one. Yes. Okay. Be my wingman uh, time. Now I think this is the m- movie I'm thinking of, but Legend. Legend. No, it's got I'm... Tom Cruise. Uh, it's a fantasy movie. I'm not familiar with Legend. Okay. Uh, let's see here. How about No Retreat, No Surrender? I want to say that's a Van Damme movie. Nope, don't don't recognize that either. I, okay. I have shamed myself as a movie person. <laughs> no, these are... Uh, well, this is uh, definitely way before your time. Uh, Raw Deal. I think that's Schwarzenegger. Raw, raw Deal? Raw Deal. Oh, Raw Deal, as in like Raw, raw, deal. raw yeah. Meat. Uh, no. Yeah, like Rami. <laughs> no, nope, no idea. Okay, what about oh. Stallone's Cobra? Yes, that one I have heard of. Okay. Okay. All right, got, one, right. In the, got one in the bank. Here. Getting there. Two All right. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Okay. John Hughes uh, at his best. There you go. Uh, back to School. Uh, that's Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, nope, nope. Not, not that, that one. one. Okay, and the last one I want to throw out, Karate Kid Part 2. Oh, yeah. Have you seen all three? I have seen one and two. I have not seen three, actually. Uh, okay. I need to get on that. No, you don't. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be a completist, yeah, check out three. No need for the next Credit Kid, though. I, I just, Mr. Miyagi's in the next Credit Kid, but you don't have Daniel LaRusso, you know, so what's the point? It's not the same. It is definitely not the same. But um, yeah, three is okay. You know, it's it's not, 
it's not something you need to go out and watch. But uh, it, you know, again, if you want to be a completist, check it out. It's like the um, like the Godfather three. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can probably say that. Yes, I, I think I think that'd be a good comparison. It'd be the third Godfather in that trilogy. Um, that's funny because I think I just brought that up to someone the other day. Oh yeah, they they posted they were watching the Godfather trilogy, and then I commented, I go, oh, I thought there was only two, you know, with a smirk uh, uh-huh. smile uh, emoji, I guess. Um, all right, and the biggest or the number one hit song at that time was Whitney Houston's greatest love of all i'm familiar with whitney houston but not with greatest love of all can you can, can you uh can you sing me a few bars let's uh sure yeah uh, 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 let's hear it. i believe the children are our future teach them well and let them lead the way mm, that's all i remember but uh <laughs> no did you ever I, see, I guess not have you seen coming to america yeah with eddie murphy okay it's the it's um it's the song that was sung by randy jackson of sexual chocolate at the beauty pageant uh, you know, I don't remember. Oh, okay. All right. That, that's the song that he sings. Uh, it's, a, it's a great song, though. I think I compare it to like Mariah Carey's uh, Hero. Okay. You know, it's w- yeah. one of those big epic songs. So uh, that was the number one song at the time. Uh, the, the, song, the number one song that preceded it was the Pet Shop Boys West End Girls. That one I don't know. Nope. And the one that supersedes it is Madonna's Live to Tell. And I know a lot of Madonna songs, but that was only number one for a week. So I think that might be one of the ones that I don't know. So it's always nice to kind of go back and see some of these songs and be like, oh, you know, like how, how long were they actually number one for? You know, I've always told myself if I, if, if I could ever be reborn in a different era, you know, it'd be the 70s or 80s. But I'm very depressed that I only know like t- three out of the, what was it, like seven movies. And I don't know <laughs> any of those songs besides the Mariah well, Carey one. To be fair, I don't. I don't think I. I named. Um, you know, like I, I don't know if much of those movies were like really big hits, aside from like Top Gun, Legend. I feel it was probably a cult classic, and Cobra is probably, you know, one of those uh, like horribly awesome Sylvester movies, uh-huh. Stallone movies, you know, something like that. But if you want to go back to like a great year, I'd say about eighty four and eighty five had like some of the best eighties movies. You know, Karate Kid came out in 84, Back to the Future came out in 85, and everything in between. Yeah, yeah. Fun story, I actually watched that entire trilogy in one night. One of my friends got on to me for never seeing it, and I was like, you know what, fine, I'll I'll pull a Lord of the Rings and marathon that shit. So, got that done. When was this that you uh, did that? That was five years ago. That was right before I went to to school, so. Okay. uh... Yeah, because I recently did that on Back to the Future Day. Uh, back in October. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot so that, I that was that. a thing. <laughs> it, it, it is a thing. Uh, I actually am one of the biggest fans of Back to the Future. Uh, my show Hydrate Level Four is actually a line spoken in the the second movie. So, really? do you kind of remember the movie at all? Yeah. Uh, in huh, the future. Neat... Okay. What about it? Okay. So it takes place in the future in the McFly household, right? Uh huh. I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember the movie, but yeah, what about where it is? So it it is when um, Lorraine, right? She's an old lady. Mm -hmm. She takes a little Pizza Hut pizza and sticks it into a hydrator. And she says, hydrate level four, please. The microwave looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very obscure reference, but like the uh, other fans that are as big as fans as I am. They, they get it right away. Why'd you you, uh, choose that to be the title of your podcast? 
uh, I wanted something from that movie um, just to uh, because, you know, it's an extension of my fandom. I I didn't want to get anything too generic. I wanted to kind of stand out a little bit. Uh And um, there was already a show called 88 Miles Per Hour Podcast, you know, who I'm also uh, friends with, you know, uh, uh, Renata. She's been on this show. She she was a co-host on there. But, yeah, I I, I didn't want something too on the nose. You know, I, I even considered like. 1.21 1.21 podcast you know like something like that but i was just i thought that was a little cheesy yeah, and, and and yeah so i was just like what's a line that kind of sticks out like to me and something that like the fans would know and i was like hydrate level four and you know i, <laughs> I threw it out to a couple of podcasting buddies and they go yeah it, it's 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 like it's it's unique you know and they say go with it but like anyone who doesn't know that reference obviously they look at the titles like i don't know what this podcast is about I, f- but, I feel so. I feel like I've been made privy to a very large secret uh, f- for your show. Thank you. For, thank you for yeah. trusting me with su- with such well, grace. Go. Yeah, d- d- don't go around telling anyone anyone that now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So that that's what that is. And also, um, you know, uh, the the intro to the show. You, you know, I I interviewed AJ Lacasio, who voiced um, Marty McFly in the video games, the the Telltale, Telltale video, games? video games. Yeah, so I interviewed him, and I actually uh, asked him to record me an intro. So he's actually on my intro, uh, and throws like a like a line from from that from that uh, scene also where Marty McFly he says, "Boy, mom, you sure know how to hydrate a pizza." <laughs> in the intro, he says. Um, Boy, you sure know how to uh, hydrate a podcast. Oh, so that was nice. Yeah, so yeah, so you know, everyone's got their Star Wars. I got my Back to the Future, so I'm okay with that. Hey, you do you, man. That's right. Okay, so finally, we will get to a Short Circuit. It's a 1986 comedy slash sci-fi movie. Uh, it stars Ali Sheedy as Stephanie Speck, Steve Gutenberg as Newton Crosby, Fisher Stevens as Ben. Uh, Austin Pendleton as Howard and G.W. Bailey as Scroder. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else uh, worth noting in here. I, I think we're okay with that. But um, any of those characters that I just named, are you familiar with any of them at all? Vaguely with Ali Sheedy. That, that's it, though. From uh, Breakfast Club. Yes. The, the crazy girl who throws the baloney up on the, on the ceiling. You know, every time I think of that movie, the first thing that comes to mind is the very, very stereotypical Asian kid. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the crazy, yes, the crazy girl, uh, Ali, Ali Sheedy was, was one of those girls I saw when I was like 11, you know, for the first uh-huh. time. And, she, and she was a teenager in that movie. Right. So yeah. I see her and I'm like, my little, my little 11 year old mind is like, I don't hate girls anymore. You know, and, and, <laughs> and an evolution took place. So, so uh, she's uh, one of your early crushes. Yeah, she she was she was one of my early celebrity crushes, I, and I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, also Molly yeah. Ringwald was pretty cute too. I've got gotta have my redheads, man. But sure, sure, yeah, Ali she, uh And I want to I want to say Breakfast Club was '84. Does that does that sound right? Uh, it's '80 something. I couldn't give you a specific number. Yeah, so th- this is only a couple years after that. So yeah, not not too far after Breakfast Club. Uh, but Steve Gutenberg, you, you don't recognize him from anything? Uh, Newton Crosby? Uh, no. How about I mean, like Three Men and a Baby? Faces, but uh, I mean, originally when I first saw the trailer, I thought he was the guy from uh, the the evil British captain from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the one in charge oh, of the East India Trading Company. <laughs> the um. 
not Jeffrey Rush, right? No, uh, Cuthbert oh, Beckett. Are you talking about uh, the? Oh God, what was his name? The guy Gavin, with the wig. Uh, oh, I yeah, I don't I don't remember his name, but I, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, oh, that, that, that's very interesting. Uh, Steve Gutenberg was uh, yeah one of those uh, '80s icon. You know, he was known for um, you know three three men and a baby, mm-hmm. and then the sequel Three Men and a Little Lady. Uh, he was in the first four Police Academy movies that also starred G.W. Bailey, who's Schroeder in this movie. Uh, so those two were in this. Um, I do recognize those... G.W. Bailey from uh, from Police Academy. I just don't remember him very as being very prominent. But I got it's okay. been a while since I've seen those films. Yeah, well, Steve Gutenberg was the lead in in all four movies. The, the first four, he was Mahoney, so Wait, he, really? he was the the douchebag. Yeah. Oh, what the hell! Wow, I really need to go back yeah. and see those movies. Okay. There, yeah, there you go. My so yeah, shot. he's yeah he stars in all of those. Uh, the first four, anyway. And uh, Austin Pendleton, the uh, who plays Howard. Have you seen um, uh, My Cousin Vinny? Yes. Okay, he was the. I forgot his title. I want to say that like, he was like a public defender that had the stutter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, that's him. The one who was like, "You, you weren't using your your prescription glasses," and he's like, "Oh, yeah. we're glasses." Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's him. And Fisher Stevens, the guy who plays Ben. You don't, you don't know this guy. No. <laughs> no. Okay. So, so Ben in the movie is of Indian descent. Uh huh. Fisher Stevens himself is a Caucasian male. Really? Playing an Indian. So I actually just found that out myself just a few years ago. And it's so funny because I grew up on watching um, Short Circuit. And I always knew that the guy who played Ben, his name was Fisher Stevens. But I also knew of this Caucasian actor named Fisher Stevens. I never knew they were the same person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I found that a few years ago, and uh, I found that to be very interesting. But you know, it's 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 a thing they do in Hollywood, right? You know, you had a uh, Ben Kingsley play Gandhi. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, that, that was that, but that was almost different in that, like it, here in this movie, it's being used for comedic effect. Ben Kingsley is Gandhi in Gandhi. Well, I mean, that's because Ben Kingsley was a fantastic actor who, I mean, who wasn't trying to make, wasn't trying to bring the laughs. I don't think. Yeah, but I I don't feel that Ben's character was uh, supposed to be. I know he has some funny lines, but I don't. I didn't feel like he was supposed to be the comedic relief because I I feel like Newton Crosby was already kind of that himself. And you know, because I, I did try to think about this a little bit last night, and I feel like maybe Ben's character um, is Indian is because you know they're kind of known to be smart, right? And so. That's what I took from it, but you you took him to be kind of supposed to kind of be funny. He didn't have like a lot of jokes, but he had he had that kind of um, awkward behavior, and he, okay. he he didn't have like a deafening accent, but it was there. So I thought maybe it was there to not not be like the heavy joke hitter of the room, but to add more levity to to the whole proceedings. Uh, plus, I mean his his creation, you know, uh, number five, uh, or I guess Johnny Five at the end. Uh, had had kind of that had had kind of his spirit, right? So the, he so he had to be kind of like a happy guy, like a, a lighthearted guy. Okay, I can kind of see that. All right, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other characters. So we already talked about um, Ben, 
Uh, Stephanie Speck. She now this movie is kind of cool because uh, it actually well Stephanie where she lives is is in Astoria, Oregon. That's not too far from where I live. So yeah, so not only did this play uh, this movie take place in Astoria, so did Goonies and also in Kindergarten Cop. Not as fun of Kindergarten Cop, but I mean it's not (laughs) terrible. So. Yeah, yeah, it's well, it's, it's not great either, but uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely a, a guilty pleasure. But yeah, those three movies were filmed in Astoria, so that that's really cool to see. Um, now, Ali Sheedy, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Stephanie Speck, she drives a food truck, so I wonder if she started the trend here in the Pacific Northwest. So um, she started the that giant was, food truck movement. Yeah, I, I think she did. You know, so I I totally forgot that she drove that vehicle. Uh, she. I guess lives in this uh, small town in Astoria and um, I don't know, I guess she houses a lot of stray animals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, she was, she wasn't like a vet, but she, but she took him in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then let me see, we got Newton Crosby. He's this, uh, this young scientist at Nova and you know, he is the brains behind the, uh, I guess the creations uh, of these, um, they, they call them saints. I, I didn't write down the, what the acronym stands for, but basically our, um, you know, the robots of the, of the movie. So he's the one who created them, but the military took these robots and made them into weapons basically. And so he's completely uh, against that. And I didn't get this when I was younger, obviously, but uh, there's a scene where Howard played by uh, Austin Pendleton he um he is asked by I think this uh this lady senator she wanted to meet the man who created the robots and Howard's like oh no he's uh he, he's he's busy or I forgot what reason uh, he gave her but then like you know watching this movie the other night or well I guess it was last night but um I didn't know that uh Newton Newton Crosby that he was against Nova and how they used his uh, creation into like uh weapons. So I didn't get that at all. But what did you think of uh, Newton's character? You know, this is going to sound weird because we were talking about how Ben wasn't like a bigger character. And Newton was kind of like the, the, the main creator, even though they were co-creators. But I, he seemed, I couldn't get behind him because on, on one side, he's like, yeah, like, let's, let's make the robots. Let's, let's make them like friendly. Let's make, let's make them fun and social. And then, yeah, yeah, like, but he's also like, oh, but we need the, we need the cash. And then the military comes and like, hey, we're going to take all your robots. And he, he, he kind of seemed a little too whiny to me. Is that just me? That might just, just be me. But uh, I, I think that's the way Steve Gutenberg plays him. Hmm. So I, I don't think it's you because like he, he's in robotics, right? Like, I, I don't know. Do you, I, I was going to kind of agree with you that, that he did kind of uh, come off a, a little whiny. Like, why is he still working for Nova if he's so against the military, you know, weaponizing his robots? I guess I guess he wanted to be with the robots. Like, he wanted to be involved with the robots no matter what. So I, I get that. Uh, I don't, it almost seemed it almost seemed wishwashy to me when I was watching it. When, now that I'm kind of like reflecting on it, I don't know. My, my favorite character was obviously the robot, which I'm which I'm sure was like the idea. But uh, yeah. no, I mean, number five was hilarious. But uh, okay. I don't know. I I I'm I have mixed feelings. I'll go with that. Okay. All right. Fair. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the opening scene where we get like a you know a brief montage of the robots uh, being created. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you what did you think of the the look of the robots? Um, did they even look like it was 
built for warfare? No, and they they're supposed to be like nu- nuclear transports, right? Uh, they reminded me of a uh, Rob from Nintendo. You know the little CD carrier thing. I'd have to see it. Uh, it, it, it Rob, it, it looks almost exactly like these robots, but he's he's like a little square, almost square shaped thing that that was used back in the old days. He would you would play these cool NES games where he would um you you would shoot something on the screen right and then the physical version of rob would like pick up a disc like a spitting disc and then put it down on this other spitting disc it was really bizarre but oh. um when i saw this robot it reminded me so much of rob he looks so much like him it didn't remind you of wally eh, i mean like his personality reminded me of wally uh his look though reminded me of the rob thing oh interesting i i have to look this up because when wally came out people were like it looks like johnny five <laughs> because you know he's got the very similar because while he's got the the two um like i i guess binocular binocular looking eyes and you know obviously johnny five kind of does too but yeah the it was really weird to like uh you know again what looking back at this movie and i was like does it even look effective like in time of war because it doesn't how fast do you think that thing travels three miles an hour with its little treads i mean <laughs> yeah it, it probably doesn't travel that fast and what kind of you can't use it where there's like a lot of like uh a lot of gravel right i mean it just it it looks like it will tip over you, you know really <laughs> easily and i think the only cool thing that i picked up on this watch was that it can withstand like uh really extreme weather you know in the cold and the in the desert so they they did mention that that i, I never picked up on before so well, it seems stupid now, but I'm sure like back then, it's it's like oh my god, it's a moving robot that talks and walks and can carry nukes. And, and I'm sure that was the the height of technology back then, or at least what what people thought it was. I, I don't know where our military actually was. <laughs> yeah, no, th- uh, actually, that makes a lot of sense because uh, some of the other things that uh, these robots do, they uh, shoot laser out of this. Uh, I don't know some some type of cannon on their back. Um, it's also kind of weird because you know they're about to emit uh this laser from the the glow in their eyes you know kind of like superman mm-hmm. um yeah i i do kind of enjoy the demonstration that we see in the beginning um but i was also a little i thought this okay so we find out that there were uh that it, each of them cost 11 million dollars to make i thought that was, I thought that was a little much <laughs> I, 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 you, you, we're, we're, we're worried about the cost of uh war making weapons of mass destruction <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right but but I, I was just like 11 sounds a lot back then because like if you think of inflation now that's i yeah i, I don't know it just I, I feel like for 11 million they could have made it look a lot more intimidating and and a little bit more durable because um i mean like later on when it gets shot up you know it doesn't look like it would be that effective well, it wasn't him you know, though. It was that decoy he made though. Yeah, but but still, you know, it, it's, it's the same material though, right? Yeah, true. You know, um, okay. So let's uh, let's see here. Let's talk about uh, when number five gets struck by lightning. So they said that the reason that he starts malfunctioning is because uh, of a huge power surge. So I guess I guess we uh, he gets artificial intelligence from lightning. He, yeah, um, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I, it's like, uh, it's like, like when the, the flash. Fl- yeah, I was just gonna say when the flash gets super fast because oh, he got struck by lightning, and then you know a bunch of idiots with metal rods go out. And it's like I want to be a superhero too. 
Um, I, I don't know. I guess I guess lightning is one of those movie things that I, when you get hit by lightning, cool stuff happens. So why not do it to a robot and we'll we'll take it from there. Don't ask too many yeah. questions. Nope, you know you're right. That that's uh, you definitely got to check your brain in uh, at the door with this movie. Uh, one of the things I did like was that uh, once John, um, well, we'll call him number five for now. But once he uh, leaves the premises of Nova, um, they try to locate him, obviously because he is not with the other robots, and they try communicating to him via um, the computer. And I like the way he's malfunctioning because like his font is all off. So, you know, I want to give credit to like the director for that or, you know, I guess whoever does like uh, computer graphics on computers because I I just thought that was a nice touch to show that he was malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought it was interesting that they they just kept on reiterating that they uh, these robots just run on program. Enable malfunction. How can it refuse to turn itself off? Maybe it's pissed off. It's a machine scroter. It doesn't get pissed off. It doesn't get happy. It doesn't get sad. It doesn't laugh at your jokes. It, it just, just runs, runs programs. programs. Usually runs programs. And the, the programs meshed together and created a super program that was, I don't know, that could relate to the human consciousness, which is in itself sad. I don't know. Sorry, I was just, I was just thinking. We were talking about how you were talking about how his, uh, how he was messing up the font and everything. And I was thinking, well, it, it isn't the most human thing making mistakes, you know, not being perfect. Um, and that and that made me think of the director, John Badem, and uh, and War Games. I, I know you're talking about how you didn't see War Games, but it's all about a, a computer system, an artificial intelligence that um, was created by this one guy originally, like it just played games. And then the military contracted him to make to to have it be in control of all the nu- nuclear missile silos, but it still had that that core. Pro, like programming of just of, he just wanted to play games the thing just wanted to play games and then and then this kid finds it he's like yeah let's play a game let's play oh this looks cool nuclear war so it, this director has a really good head on his shoulders as far as like taking a really serious topic like machines of war is like it even back in the 80s was a huge a huge issue uh and even more so today we got you know we have drones and basically the next best thing to ai um and then he ta- and then he j- he makes it funny. He makes it cute. Um, yeah. And and that's it, it's almost like a Doctor Strange love, you know, a Cold War esque era where everyone's freaking out about missiles gonna m- missiles destroying the world. And he's like, yeah, you guys can't fight in here. This is the war room. And so I, I I enjoy somebody that can take this really like scary ass topic and and bring bring a little light to it. You know, the, it's it's okay to it's okay to laugh at doom and gloom. Yeah, you just mentioned like uh, you know it. It's it's a very uh, human trait to to make mistakes and stuff. And one of the things that popped up on the screen is because uh, apparently they can whatever. I don't I don't know. I guess I don't know how to read this this particular scene. But um, number five is reading an ad for Dr. Pepper, and it says, "Don't you want to be a Pepper too?" or or something uh-huh. to that effect. And that very font and the way. The image of uh, that that sign looks. It appears on Nova's uh, you know screen, and so um, yeah, I thought that was interesting that uh, they were able to see that as he was reading it. Um, so it was just a, it was just an interesting touch. I also liked uh, how I, don't, I guess another human thing you could say is is fear. Uh, when he starts talking to Stephanie uh, and she and she mentions disassemble and, and he freaks out. He's like, no, disassemble. Uh, that that was kind of adorable. Like you never see that in Michigan, so it's always yeah. it's always fun to see humanity brought to little little hunks of tin. 
Yeah, the, and um, you, you just brought up a, a very good scene because the scene before that, she teaches. Uh, well, he, he sees a butterfly, and then you know he chases after it, and he starts mimicking some of the movements. And was it a butter, butterfly or a grasshopper? He, I remember it was the grasshopper that he killed. I don't. I, I don't remember a uh, butterfly though. I think the butterfly might have been earlier, like when he was on the um, on the back of that truck. You know, when when he left the premises. Oh, the one and, he's running away. Yeah, yeah, I, I think maybe that's when the butterfly came. Okay, so so he's hopping like a grasshopper because he's he's when he actually accidentally uh, smashes it, and then this is where um, he you know he's telling Stephanie, no, it's it's okay, we'll just you know we'll we'll reassemble it. She's like, well, you can't do that because he's dead, you yeah. know. Um, so that's where he learns that, and so yeah, he freaks out later on when they talk about disassemble because he understands now the the concept of death. So, which a yeah. what a weird way to learn about mortality. Yeah, it, uh, it it's very interesting. So it, it was it was actually kind of sad, you know, to to see number five learn about death. Um, you know, it, it's definitely uh, a, a character that that I, I grew up. You know, I, I can say I love him. You oh. know, I love number five. He's he's a cool cool cat. I'd hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a cool guy to chill with on a Tuesday night. I I, yeah. I I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, he, he'd be the perfect guy to like study with, you know, for for a class or something, because uh, this guy just just uh, thrives on input, right? He just he reads everything. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so it's really cool. So number five uh, meets Stephanie, and she thinks he's an alien. Yeah, <laughs> and the, what she gave him like the books and everything to to satisfy his need for. For like to, to learn learn about her planet, right? And she's like, "Yeah, just take it, just take it all." And then like her boyfriend Frank or whatever, or their relationship was kind of weird. But then he destroys her car, uh, or destroys yeah. his car. That was hilarious. Yeah, that's that's a great scene. Yeah, where he um, because because again, uh, number five can read so fast, and he read the manual to was it a, a Firebird? Yeah, that, uh, Frank drove. It, maybe Th- Thunderbird, Firebird, Tra- Trans Am. Pro- I don't know. Pr- probably like a probably like a T Bird. Yeah. To be honest, I don't know American cars. Um, I, I drive like Hondas and Toyotas, but uh, I've got a Camry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so the, the, it's it's a pretty funny scene where Number Five takes apart Frank's car, and uh, you know I, I like these little scenes too because like uh, Number Five has been watching like TV at Stephanie's house, so he like reenacts like some of these scenes. Uh, so so that was really fun to watch. Uh, what do you think about the character of Frank? Uh, played by Brian McNamara, kind of kind of a butthole, but I mean, I yeah. guess that was kind of his, kind of the idea. Yeah, I um. So you yourself uh, is a writer. Yes. Um, the the thing I thought about this, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on uh, how do you think the writer did with the uh, with the character of Frank? Because the uh, number five, he leaves Nova, he finds Stephanie. We gotta have that conflict in, in this movie, right? So how do we get Nova? to find number five because I mean, um, Newton Crosby, you know, has to find number five too, but introducing Frank, the first time we see Frank, he's at Stephanie's house. She's not even there. And he's trying to take, is it their dog? The Beasley? Uh, no, I think, I think it was just one of the dogs. She like, the stray takes dogs. Care of, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't exactly sure, but she comes home and Frank is there trying to take this dog Beasley and she then notices that he's got this uh uh what is it called like a dog cage or whatever uh the, the box yeah, yeah i think i'm I, sure there's a formal name for it like a carrier 
okay, let's call it a dog carrier. And um, on the side of it, it, it said something like, I don't know, so, some kind of testing, right? It Animal testing uh, sort of company or whatever. So she, she knows that, like, I guess he's trying to take pets to these people, you know, for money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we first meet him, we find out that, yeah, he's definitely shady. And so, so the introduction of Frank's character is to bring Nova to it. So do you think... That was like a like like good writing, or what? What would you? What are your thoughts on that? When it comes to comedy, it's kind of hard to have a a well written villain because you you almost have to have a mustache twirler, you know, to to get out those those easy laughs and have a good time. Um, so no, writing wise, I don't think he was very uh, well fleshed out at all. Okay. Um, I I, t- I love excellent villains i think that good villains are more important than good heroes in any film uh but when it comes to comedy i I guess all you the best you can do is uh kind of like the kind of like the principal from ferris bueller you know like he 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 had his own little his little quirks and weirdness about him like he wasn't just out to destroy ferris bueller's life he was also like just insane in his own right uh he was mad at the kids in general and then like at the very end he's on the bus and he's like, t- he takes the gummy bear from the girl. He's like, God, I hate my life. So um, the best you can do with a villain in comedy is just, just to give them their, their own story as well as being involved in the main story. And they didn't even do that really with Frank. I mean, Frank didn't have any of that. He was, he was there to screw around with Stephanie and he was there to try to kill Johnny on a couple of uh, occasions. So, so uh, do you think Scroder is, is a better villain? Oh yeah, 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 yes. In that case, yeah, because he he was kind of like the head of Nova. So, yeah, I I thought he was. Um, it, it's so funny because his character isn't so different from I forgot his character's name on Police Academy, uh, Lieutenant Harris. There we go. Yeah, I think that's right, Harris. Anyway, it's not so <laughs> so different. You know, he's very militaristic, uh, kind of thing. And I don't know. I think he's a little bit more grounded in in this movie. Uh, which is kind of funny to say, but yeah, he's a little bit more uh, over the top in a police academy. Yeah, and his motivations are kind of more, you know, easy easy to follow. I mean, he, he's he's got to he's got to make sure that his department doesn't get embarrassed by a free will robot. So you know, make sure bring in all the big guns. Whereas Frank's just kind of a dick for being a dick sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think about the scene where? Um... Uh, number five and Stephanie danced to some Bee Gees. That was adorable, and then she like gives him a kiss and everything. I thought I thought that was cute. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Have you seen Saturday Night Live? Wait, I'm uh, sorry, Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta. I've seen parts of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, so seen, I've seen the, the I've seen the boogie scene. Yeah, and and that's that's what uh, Johnny Five is watching. Okay. Yeah. So um and and a lot of those songs actually yeah I think all those Bee Gees songs are from that movie. So um, it's I like it. I know it's not for everybody, it, you know, especially if you're not a big fan of disco, you know, from the 70s. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I actually am a fan of the Bee Gees music. So mm-hmm. so I do like that movie. And I like John Travolta. So, yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, it's an interesting watch. Um, what was the last good John Travolta movie you saw? What's your last favorite John Travolta movie? Ooh, my last one. Yeah, um, like the, the latest one that he's done. I would, I'd have to pull up the filmography, but the first one that comes to mind was, was it taking Pelham one, two, three? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. The most recent one. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, and that was what, 2012 or something. 
Uh, maybe, maybe even earlier. Uh, it yeah. was a while ago. Um, what about the one with... Uh, was it Old Hogs? Was he in that one? Oh, Wild Hogs? Yeah, he was Wild in that Hogs. one. Yeah, he was okay, okay in that one. He was funny. I liked him, I liked him in that... Uh, where he was a spy for, from Paris with love or something. Uh, Did I watch that? I don't, I don't remember if I watched that one. I know that's, that's the one with um, the rice Davies. What's his name? The, I'm not sure the, what the other guy's name was. He was in what, August rush. He was in and, tutors, right? Yes. Yeah. The tutors, the show. Yeah. 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 That guy, I, I think he might've played like Elvis in one of those TV movies too. Maybe. That, you know? that, I don't know about that one. Jonathan Rice Davies? No, wait. I'm, I think I'm mixing mixing up his name with the guy from from uh, Lord of the Rings. Maybe I don't, I don't remember know. that one either. I, no. I mean, I remember Lord of the Rings. I don't remember the actor's name. Yeah, he. See, I, I might lose some some cred here, some nerd cred, but he was <laughs> the the really short, not short, but like kind of short and stocky. Uh, was he the dwarf? Uh, and my axe. Maybe I think so. Oh, okay. Okay, I yeah. loved him then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm mixing up that guy and then the guy from Tudor's name together because I think they both have R H Y S in their name. I don't know. I don't know. That's we're not talking about those movies, but uh, <laughs> next time, next show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know if I'll ever cover, cover Lord of the Rings on here, but uh, never say never. Um, okay, what do you think about? Uh, what about the uh, the the robot fight? Ah, uh, yes. Then that's when uh, uh, um, what's his name, Scroder, and and the rest of Nova, they they go meet meet up, right? That's where Newton Crosby and uh, Stephanie was supposed to meet up, and then Crosby gets double crossed by Scroder. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, did you, did you like that one? Yes, I liked uh, I liked how the, he eventually turned him into the uh, the Three Stooges. Where the hell are those other robots? They should have cut number five to pieces by now. What? Hey, where are you guys going? Who's asking? Hmm, a wise guy. Oh. Excuse oh. this. And this. Oh. And I felt um, I, I thought it was kind of cool because you get to see like a little little MacGyvering uh, is what I like to say. Yeah, you know, he, there, yeah there were so there were cool special effects for an eighty for an eighties film, like with all the, yeah. the sparks and the lasers and the smoke and everything. Like that's I mean that was hard to do back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it was. I mean, uh, I mean, in what four seven years later, you get Jurassic Park, so they they've come a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I like that scene. Um, one of the lines that I wrote down that I thought was really funny was that uh, Crosby he asks Ben. He goes, um, "I think they were talking about his family. He's like, Where, where's your family from?" Or he goes, "Where, where are you from?" And Ben's like, "I'm from Bakersfield." And I'm assuming <laughs> Baker, Bakersfield, like California, maybe. Uh, I'm not positive. And he goes, "Well, where's your family from?" He goes, "Pittsburgh." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember this line in here, but it's funny because. Um, I, I don't know if anybody that listens to my show still doesn't know, but uh, I'm Asian. And when people ask me where I'm from, I go, Texas. <laughs> and they go, they go, well, where's your family from? I go, they're from Texas too. Some are still there. 
I mean, I guess it's, that's a thing about being a white guy, which which I am, is that you, you, <laughs> no one really asks you, asks you like, where, where you're from. I mean, like, if, if you're white, is this, like, the, the racist in you says, okay, obviously he's from the USA. I mean, there, there, there are native white Africans. There are white people in Europe, of course. I mean, if you don't have an accent, I mean, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a, a gift and a curse, a blessing and a curse, to, depending on how you take it. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, yeah, in different parts of the country, I, I guess is the only time, uh, as you put it, a, a white man would be asked, where are they from? You know, so uh, shout out to my buddy Mike at War Machine vs. War Horse, who's <laughs> from Kentucky. So I feel like if he was just walking around Portland and, you know, somebody heard him speak, people would probably ask him where he, he's from. What, I would think so. Whoa, does he have like an accent? Or? From Kentucky, yeah. Oh, so he's got like a southern accent. If you can call it that, I mean, I I think he would say it's a Kentuckian accent. Kentuckian. Um, <laughs> did you ever watch uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Uh, yeah, with Tom Cruise. With Tom Cruise, yeah. yeah. And re- remember the scene with uh, Bill Paxton? He goes, "Oh, you're American." He goes, "Sir, I am not. I'm from Kentucky." No, <laughs> I actually do remember that. That his yeah. general was actually pretty funny. Yeah, so so it, it's like that, you know. So I feel like Mike be like, "No, I don't have an accent. This is, you know, I speak Kentucky." I don't know. I'm not from America. I'm from Kentucky. Damn it. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I guess let's jump to the end uh, where we now. So there, there's this pursuit uh, for, for, you know, Johnny five and there's this chase. And then the, what, what was the end that gets blown up? What was it? It was uh he made a, a, a dummy out of some spare parts. Uh, I don't know where he got the parts from. He, he got the parts cause he was, uh, he was hiding. Wasn't he hiding like under? No, wait, that's later. Um, he got the parts from you know just one of those Nova vehicles because look uh, earlier in the movie when um, when Ben and Newton yeah it's, it's so weird calling him Newton Crosby it's just kind of a weird name because <laughs> like Newton kind of sounds weird like I, I just want to call him Newt but that's not what he's called in the movie and um, anyway so Newton Crosby and Ben they're leaving Nova to go to go find number five, right? And uh, not only were they taking number one to go with them, they also took like parts. So I don't know if you noticed that, like it, you really have to kind of be watching what they're doing because they're not bringing any attention to the things that they're grabbing uh-huh. to take with them, but they are taking actual pieces of the robot to take with them. Oh, I thought it was just kind of like ordinance or something, like stuff to blow them up. Oh yeah, uh, no, it, it was actually parts of the uh, of the robot, you know, probably to to fix or maintenance if if, if needed. Um, so I, I think that's where the parts came from, and they were already in, in that vehicle. But did you buy it? Did you think that Johnny Five blew up in that scene? Yeah, and I thought I was thought that was so mean too. I, I thought there was going to be some some message about how oh well, at least he 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 learned to live. You know, sadder to have not lived at all than yeah. Uh, so like he, I thought that they were gonna show like the sort of sweet melancholy and that oh at least he got to realize his humanity quote 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 unquote before before they destroyed him, uh, but then it turned out he was okay so that made me happy too I'm good with that I'm good with that ending he, as well. So you didn't get like slightly misty eyed at all like oh man they they blew him up. Okay, there are only there are <laughs> five movies to date that have made me cry. All right, and that is not one of them. So, okay. I, no, sir, and thank you very much. Drink my <laughs> I, Dr. Pepper now. Yeah, I, I would be very curious to to uh, hear what those five movies are. Is that something you would reveal? Sure, okay. But is, is Lion King one of them? No, although Lion King did make me super sad, and that was before I knew that uh, Darth Vader was in the movie. 
Earl Jones. James James Earl Jones? John? James Earl Jones. James Earl yeah. Jones, okay. Um, so the first movie to ever make me cry um, was actually, you were talking about how we were talking about him, but uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the third Lord of the Rings, at the very end, have you seen, have you the seen them all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So at the very end where, uh, spoiler alert, so like Frodo is getting on the boat um, with Gandalf and Elrond and all the rest of them and Bilbo. I see you. You're good. I I I know like half those names. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. That I I had started. What I I watched those movies when they came out from theater, like in the theaters. You know that that was my Star Wars experience, like the fantasy cool thing that all all of us kind of like got together. Right. And uh, I went to go see it with my parents, like at the premiere, like every time the premiere came out, like at the midnight premiere, which was so cool because I was a young kid. So I see this happen. I'm like, oh my god, it's finally over, and I'm so sad because I've seen these characters go through so much. And I hadn't read the books before the movies. I saw the movies first, so that that I uh, that kicked my heart in the butt. Um, let's see. Second, I would the Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 a bit of a I'm a bit of a softy. I I do enjoy musicals, and uh, I think Gerard Butler plays fantastic villains. He just has a shitty taste in what movies he does. Uh, I I happen to like musicals and I liked Phantom of the Opera. I I don't remember it well enough to to like if you told me the scene like I I wouldn't have remembered. But I remember liking the music and I think that was directed by uh, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, who uh, yeah that was his redemption for me after Batman and Robin. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I I like musicals. I like Moulin Rouge, Chicago, mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge, Mary Poppins. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins is cute. Yeah, I like them all. Uh, that was actually something you were talking about my girlfriend earlier. That that's something that we we've argued about a lot because like she said she liked the movie and then she said oh I'd give it like three out of five stars like three out of five and I was so Which mad. Which one? Phantom of the Phantom Opera. Of the Opera? Yeah. Three three out of five. Yeah. Uh, I mm. I just fell in love with it so I, I I I'm biased but I was mad at her. Was it maybe because of Emmy Rossum? Rossum? Ross? I maybe I don't. Know. I thought she was okay in that. Did did that help? <laughs> uh, no. Well, well, you got Gerard Butler in there too, so yeah. He, but he was fantastic. He was yeah. great. He, I mean, who knew that he could? I I don't know many movies where he's terrible in. He's actually pretty good in in a lot of his movies, even if they are bad. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I've seen. Like he he does like a lot of crappy movies, but he he's great <laughs> in all of them. Like uh yeah, uh like that White House Down one or whatever. You know, like the, that's just kind of like uh, a which one? No, uh, I think his was Olympus is falling. Falling. Oh, that's right. There were two White House blows up yeah. movies that year. Ch- Channing Tatum was the other one. Yeah, White House Down. Okay. All right. So my bad. But I, I would say Gerard uh, is the better version of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, third one is more recent, uh, and that's uh, Creed. At the okay. at the very end, where he's he's taking the last fight, and Rocky goes up to him. And he's like, uh, "What what do you have to prove?" And he's and he says, "I got to prove I'm not a mistake." And I'm like, oh my god, it's so sad. He's like this whole oh, yeah. this whole time he was talking about how he how he didn't want to be affiliated in any way with Creed, and then it turns out the entire time all he wanted to do was live up to the name, uh, despite everything. And I thought that was that was, uh, was right there, right there, man. Yeah, that's a great movie right there, and uh, that's uh, nothing wrong with that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, let's see, fourth one, up, uh, okay. Pixar, damn Pixar for making grown men cry at cartoons. That's unforgivable trespass against me that I can never forgive. But Pixar does that. They, they do that. I mean, even the, was it the third Toy Story? You know, the, the third Toy Story didn't get me. No? Okay. 
No, like everyone else was talking about how that uh, that that last time, you know, where they're all like going into the fire pit or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I I didn't like get that at- attached to the character. I, I mean, I I enjoyed Toy Story, but yeah, I was never like, oh, I, the, no, they're not gonna they're not gonna live. But I don't know. And then uh, I guess num- number five would be E.T. when E.T. leaves oh. and. Uh, What's her name is crying of Drew Barrymore. Yeah, thank you, little Drew Barrymore, <laughs> baby Drew Barrymore. Right, uh, really. No, so Inside Out did not make it. Inside Out came close, but I, I was okay. strong. I was prepared this time. <laughs> okay. So no, very interesting. Very, very good. I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of those just to see if I have any effect on. Oh, on those. okay. Yeah, I have uh, yeah, Lion King. You know, makes it in there for me. Um, yeah, I'll check in my man card and I'll say Titanic. You know, did it for me. Um, I, I'd have to really think about it. I, I I've never really sat down to to try to count like all the movies, but I'm a, I'm a softy. You, you know, uh, uh, I, I I think I, I cry easier than most. I think as know? movie types have to be. You know, we 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 have to want to feel to enjoy the movies more. You know. Hmm. No. Yeah, you know, maybe you and I, but I, I feel like the other guys uh, in, in my network they may uh, laugh at me when I cry. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like uh, I, I don't think they would be into those type of movies. Uh, recently, uh, I reviewed a movie uh, with Alicia, and it was Heart and Souls. It's a 1993 uh, romantic comedy with uh, Robert Downey Jr. And I think I teared up like twice in, in that movie. But I also that was like one of my childhood movies growing up you know i was like 10 when it came out so i had a bit of a, a attachment to that movie just because it was one that I, I just watched often so going back and watching it again you know a couple of the, a couple of those same scenes it, it just keeps hitting me every time like every time i watch it i always tear up so it, it's just one of those it's it, yeah i guess it, it's one of those things that it's a hit and miss thing i mean may, maybe maybe some people go to the movies and, and they are okay so movie buff speaking like there are lots of people who are analytical you know, and they're, mm-hmm. and they're dissecting every little thing, and then and then there are other people that are like they're they're analytical, but they're also they're also there to enjoy the movie. You know, they're enjoying to have a yeah. good time. So maybe, yep. maybe that's what, maybe that's what we are. We're there to enjoy and also on also absolutely, feel. yeah, yeah. That that's it. I I will I will give a shitty movie a chance. You know, just to just to see if I can enjoy something of it because. I don't want to go watch a brand new movie going, oh, I, I'm already not going to like this because of what it is. You know, for example, um, uh, Point Break, the, the remake that just came out. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, well, this is not going to be good just because it's a remake of Point Break. Like, w- w- people didn't even like the idea. So they're already kind of going in with the pre notion that this is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand that. And I hadn't watched the original at that time. So I went to go watch this remake. I'm like, look, I'm just going to give it a chance. And at the end, I was like, okay, no, it actually was a bad movie. So, <laughs> you know, I, I tried I tried to give it a chance. So that, that's the thing I feel m- most people should try to kind of do. Because if you just go into most movies thinking like, oh, yeah, this based on the trailers, this is going to suck. How do you sit there for two hours and enjoy it? Yeah, be, I mean, I guess you got to be at least go into it being open to it. Don't go into it uh, chopping the block already. So good, good for you for being open-minded. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, do you have anything else uh, uh, on this movie? Um, you know, we find out that he decides to go with uh, Johnny Five because he listens to a DeBarge song uh, yeah, on, on the radio. Yeah, who's Johnny? So I'll play that at the end of this uh, episode here. But uh, it, it suits him. It, it works. Johnny Five is, is alive. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts about him being alive? Like, 
I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. We, we kind of like touched on it a little bit about how, you know, it's just magic lightning, right? And and it gives them AI. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, do you mean like, how do I feel about him being alive? Like in general, like he, he has his own mind or being alive isn't that he didn't get blown up? Uh, the the first that's the former oh, yeah, okay. of him yeah me, yeah um I as far as like how he became alive I uh, eh, I could have done with a little bit more than lightning but um, whatever I'll take it um as for how he used that life I thought that was very I thought it was very adorable it was very childlike as it should have been um and it didn't the despite him being a military tool of war. It kind of reminded me of the Iron Giant, that Disney movie, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and less the of the, the new Neil Blomkamp Chappie. Like, I haven't seen that one. Uh, Chappie was, was like, even though Chappie was supposed to be like this like, cute robot, it was a miserable movie from the get go because it was like an apocalyptic world. But this was one, the, um, yeah. that, that was the follow up to District Nine, right? Yes. It well, it was the follow up to Elysium. Third. Elysium came after District Nine. Okay. Okay. See, uh, Elysium I thought was okay. Yeah. And, um, so, but but Chappie I heard was disappointing, so I avoided it. Uh, I mean, but it's the same. It's the same premise. Like a, a robot finds inte- finds itself an intelligent life. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that they did a good job of not making of not taking itself too seriously while still dealing with the heavy facts of like, okay, how how does one learn about death? How does one learn about like that that it needs to learn that that there's that there's information out there that it can it can feed itself with. And I thought they did a, a good, fun way of that without without ever bogging itself down in too too heavy of ethical questions. Okay. Uh, what we like to do on the show is uh, we give uh, a rating out of five stars. I'll, I'll go first, but um, yeah, this this movie I, I think it still holds up, but it's clearly dated, especially you know the 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 look of Johnny Five. You know, it's just it doesn't look very nimble, and it doesn't. To me, in my opinion, it doesn't look like it works as a, uh, you know, a uh, weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it's clearly a product of its time. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, Newton Crosby is kind of a windy guy. But again, I, I chalk that up to Steve Gutenberg. That's kind of how he plays his characters. Uh, I do like some of the the, the other characters, though. Uh, I like Howard. I like Ben. I like Scroder to a certain extent, except for he's basically the same character from um, uh, Police Academy. But e- e- even Frank, I, I kind of like, you know. So I, I think this movie, uh, I don't want to say it's well written, but it's but it's, it's it is kind of written well. You know, there's callbacks to things, and um, it it was a nice watch for, for sure. I don't know how often I would revisit this again. Um, but it's definitely still a childhood favorite. I would still introduce uh, this movie to to my kids. Um, I I thought this was going to be higher. Um, uh, upon viewing it again, I don't know if it's because now I try to watch it with like an analytical eye. Mm. I don't have a lot of issues with it, but as far as like that nostalgic feel, the the love for it wasn't quite there anymore. And I would be very curious to see how I feel about part two because I. Do remember, you know, the main characters being different. Uh, Johnny Five is still in it, and there's a different tone. So I wonder if it's one of those things where I liked the sequel better. So that'd be kind of interesting to see. But uh, this one, I'm going to go uh, a 3.75 with this, which is, you know, still pretty fair on a scale of 10. That's what, six and a half. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would, 
so, so I enjoyed it for that kind of for that nostalgic feel. I didn't mind too much that it didn't look like a like a tank or anything like that. I thought, <laughs> uh, I mean, it it did seem very impractical as any sort of weapon. But uh, that that's that whole scene where the robots are fighting each other kind of illuminated that a little bit for me. Um, but uh, yeah, some things some things were a little too dated not to last to today's time. You know. Um, some characters were written a little bit shallowly, uh, like uh, even even uh, Johnny Five. Like there were times where he was just like you know comic for comic's sake. Um, but I mean, it, it's a comedy, so you gotta love it. Um, I would watch it again. I would I wouldn't put it on my top ten or anything. I'm gonna go ahead and give this. A, I'm gonna give it a two point seven five. We're gonna be a little bit meaner. Um, okay. I would watch it again. I w- I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend it though. Okay, no, that's fair enough. So, if you worked at a movie store, this wouldn't be like on your shelf of recommends. No, and also yeah. I just work at the database at Netflix or something because I knew I'd <laughs> yeah. be in <the> business. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, th- this this definitely wouldn't have been on my shelf of recommends either. I, I don't even think we had a big enough shelf for like ten uh, movies per employee. Um, but if I had to pick like eighties movies, this would probably. Maybe be my top twenty. Definitely not in my top ten. Maybe even top twenty-five. I don't know. I've never really sat down and, and created a list. But mm-hmm. you know, it yeah, it's, it's still a good movie. But yeah, I totally see uh, what what you mean. Um, now with uh, you know, everyone knows how, how original Hollywood is. So I'm not even going to ask if you could see uh, a remake. But do you think this movie should get a remake? Like, do you think it would work? Like, if somebody said, "Hey, let's let's redo Short Circuit," can you? Would you be like, "Yeah, well, that makes sense." I I, I think I think it can use one. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think one of the, one of the main draws of Short Circuit is its kind of '80s nostalgia, and I think that if that was taken away by making like a kind of what they did with RoboCop, like, "Oh, look how sleek and new, and he he's black now, and he's got cool guns and acrobatics," and I mean, I didn't I didn't need all that. I I enjoyed it for what it for what it was supposed to do, and I I don't think Hollywood needs to remake that. I, I I'm sorry they're having trouble coming up with original ideas, but that's their problem. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I I would rather just keep this one the way it is. Yeah, that that's a great pull. Uh, though I wouldn't compare the original RoboCop to Short Circuit, uh, but uh, that RoboCop movie that you speak of, um, the original was actually my very first movie review on this oh, show. Really? Oh, not, yeah. not a bad one to go. Yeah, so so we did that, and then Coming to America was number two. So, uh, but yeah, the, the the remake of RoboCop, I I, I got it, but I I definitely did not like it. You know, I, I didn't like a lot of the changes they made. They, I, I felt like the director thought that he was going to be able to answer some of the questions from the original, but it was fine the way it was. And it, it's really hard because like, if, if um, we say, no, don't remake it. What, what's the alternative? Just kind of re-release it on Blu-ray again. I mean, cause they already kind of do that, you know, yeah. but yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great, great pool for uh RoboCop there. Awesome. I still can't believe that red from that 70s show was the guy, was the evil guy in RoboCop. That blows my mind to this day. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because when I saw him on that 70s show, I couldn't take him seriously as a dad. <laughs> you you, you couldn't take so, him seriously? You took him too seriously because you're like, oh, he's got a... Well, I, I guess you're right. I took him too seriously. Yeah. I, I'm just like, yeah, this he's definitely not the dad. Um, I, I just kept on like whispering to his wife, like, be careful. He might kill you in your <laughs> sleep. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's really interesting to see. Like, like, uh, did you ever watch Breaking Bad? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love Breaking Bad. And did you watch Malcolm the Malcolm in the Middle? I saw I saw bits and pieces. Uh, okay, me too. So I I never really watched Malcolm in the Middle, but I know people were saying that very thing, like when, um, Brian Cranston. You know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Just you know, when Breaking Bad was on the rise, I think people were like, "Come on, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle." Like they weren't even going to give it a shot. So that's why it didn't like really start getting popular until about the third or fourth season. You know, uh, but it, it, it's kind of like that. And you know, Brian Cranston, you know, blows it out of the water, man. He's pretty awesome yeah he uh, that uh ending season the the ozzie mendias episode that's still oh my god it's like blows my mind. best episode of, well i mean it, it won an emmy you know for the best screenplay and, and all that so yeah it's it's definitely the best episode of the entire series uh-huh, for sure uh but i get yeah i get what you're saying uh what killed me what killed me about red from that 70s show was actually dead poet society because he was a, he okay. was a jerk dad but not in the comedic way he was just a jerk dad and because of that, uh, you know, the bad things happened, um, which I'll not spoil for anyone on the show. If you haven't seen Dead Poets Society, go see it. It's fantastic. Robin Williams' finest. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So at this point, why don't you go ahead and uh, pimp out your, your uh, website again okay. and uh, just tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Okay. Well, I'll pimp this, this shit out. Um so be sure to check us out on realdudereviews.com. That's R-E-E-L-D-U-D-E-R-E-V-I-E-W-S. Uh, we've got game reviews. We've got Let's Plays. We've got movie reviews. We've got just random stuff we like to talk about. I, actually, before I came on the show today, I was working on a top 10 one-liners list. So that'll oh, be coming out go. soon. Uh, in February, we've got uh, top 10 movies to get laid. So we got that coming oh. out. So we're, we're a PG-13 site, so uh, children beware. But um, it's a it's a fun time. So be sure to swing by, uh, leave a comment. Uh, if you're looking to if you're looking to write, uh, we always have guest writers come on and have a good time. So if you want to kind of start your stuff and publish and get your name out there a little bit, we're more than happy to give you a shot. So uh, yeah, be sure to swing by, and we hope to hear from you soon. And thank you, sir, for allowing me on the show. Oh yeah, I, I will. Uh, you know, open invitation anytime you want to come back. But uh, those, you know, the, the website, your your Twitter, I'll include that in the show notes too, so that way the listeners have a, a easy access to that content. Uh, but real quick, I actually want to ask you that uh, your top ten list of one liners. Uh-huh. What was your criteria? How how are you how were you able to narrow down? What were you looking for for uh, movies to make or these lines to make this list? Um. And the most sci- the most scientific term I can give you is the uh, the the tingle meter. So like okay. when you hear it, and when I I use one liners kind of uh, loosely. The the first the number ten is a liner from a uh, gladiator where he says my my name's Maximus, a father to a murdered wife, or a father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I'll have my vengeance. And it, that's that's like two that's two lines, but I I count it as one. Um, so they go together, you, you know, so I mean, it could be a quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, But you see that in that, that look of intensity. I mean, even though he's not saying it's like us, the viewer, I, I get scared. I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus, just chill, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I won't remember one for you here, but every time every time it's uttered in in the movie or in popular culture references, it, it gives you that uh, it gives you a kind of gung ho feeling. So be, uh, be sure to check it out. I think you'll like it. Um Oh yeah, and we're uh, we're at Real Dude Reviews on Twitter, so you can well, go there too. There you go. Okay, uh, and and for me, you know, uh, my 
Twitter and Instagram is at HLF Podcast. Uh, you can find all of my content uh, on iTunes and Stitcher or at followingfilms.com, where you can also find other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Study, uh, True Romance Film Podcast, and War Machine vs. War Horse, and my other show, Original Remake. Um, I also do We Got Five with Devin. That is found on coretemparts.com. That's a show where every week we pick a topic and we discuss our top five favorites. And lastly, the fourth podcast I do, Back to the Future, the animated series podcast. You can find that, again, iTunes and Stitcher or at barrenspace.com backslash BTTF. Man, I need to record like some kind of outro for that. <laughs> Yeah, please uh, leave a iTunes review if you have not uh, done so. And if you know if anybody wants to write in, hlfpodcast at gmail.com. Until the next episode, for Mason, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. Yeah, she-